0: I've learned to use the good parts of my ADHD to succeed, and I've learned to lean on others and give myself grace for the parts that are not productive. With my mania, I harness the hyper-productivity, and during the depression, I give myself grace and ask for help. You thought it,
1: but we said it. I'm Alexis, a certified leadership and life coach. And I'm Sam, a licensed therapist, and we consider ourselves mindset gurus. Perspectively Yours is our platform where we dive headfirst into conversations on topics that can make or break us. We speak to women about the things we often think, but don't say out loud, how we can shift our perspectives around them to build our resilience and normalize our experiences. This is for the woman who wants a full plate and a full cup without burning out. We're bringing
2: our expertise to the table to give you game-changing tips on how to shift your perspective.
1: So let's spill the tea and get started. Hello, hello, my friend. How are we doing
2: today? We are back again. We're back again, and I am feeling pretty good for it being pitch black outside right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It has been miserable here yeah. in New Jersey and I got my haircut and with a haircut comes a blowout. And for those of you who don't know me, I have exceptionally curly hair. So a blowout is so luxurious and it never fails. Every time I get a blowout, cause it can last, like I can get it to stretch up to a week, depending on, I have very thick hair, but with, Like some dry shampoo or mattifying powder when when I run out of dry (laughs) shampoo. And it is not going to make it a week because the rain is just, it's trying to destroy it. That is such a
2: bummer. Do you get rain that much in New Jersey?
1: I don't know if I'd say we get it that much. I feel like it just happens to coincide with my blowouts. That's
2: so annoying. I mean, here, it always rains, especially this time of year. So that wouldn't be a surprise here, but I wasn't sure what it's like there.
1: Yeah, it, it depends. Sometimes it can be raining like the late fall, like November, December, but I don't know how much, really. It's just my luck, unfortunately. Bummer. But that's okay.
2: Well, hopefully it'll stay away. Yeah. Well, today we have another guest on, and I'm really excited about this guest, like I am with every single one, because I feel like we've... We've really got some great people in our communities, and I'm really excited to bring Carrie on. So, I've known Carrie for a really long time. I can't even put a time stamp on it. It's got to be like probably close to it's like 15 years.
0: Yeah. All right. Like 15 years.
2: 15 to 18, I think is about how long it's been. So, we've known each other for a while. Um, Her sister is my best friend. So, that is how we are connected. And Carrie is a mental health advocate and also an entrepreneur, and so I wanted to bring her on to talk about the the intersection of dealing with mental health issues and also entrepreneurship because those two things can feel like they can't coincide, but they definitely can, and I have loved her sharing her journey about that, so I'm excited to talk to her today. So, a little bit more about Carrie. Carrie Eskridge is a self proclaimed mental health advocate. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, anxiety, and trichotillomania. Did I Good say job. that right?
1: You did. Trichotillomania. <laughs> Good job.
2: At 14, she struggled for years with either unmanaged or mismanaged mental illness. She raised five children, four bonus children. She's always loved as her own blood with a major mental illness, and understands deeply the struggle to pull yourself up when littles rely on you, and that sometimes you can't and need help. In her late 20s, she was diagnosed with ADHD. After her father died of early-onset Alzheimer's, where she was the primary caregiver, she suffered a psychological break. With the support of her family, she went to a clinic and learned much about her mental illness and clawed and fought her way into mental wellness. She is now a successful business owner, actively involved in her community, sits on the board and committee for multiple nonprofit organizations. She has a wonderful relationship she's built with four of her five children and respects the anger and boundaries of her oldest. She is celebrating her 19th year with her husband and couldn't feel more loved. Carrie has a podcast called Sick Moms where she talks with moms about the dirty things because when we talk about the dirty things, they simply become... Things. Oh, yeah. And she just celebrated her 40th birthday, and she means celebrated, which I saw pictures of that party and it looked like a whole lot of fun. So, welcome, Carrie.
0: Thank you. I am so excited to be here today.
2: We are just thrilled to have you.
0: I cannot
1: wait to hear more about your story. I am just (laughs) enthralled. That's a lot to unpack, and in a short period of time as well. And I'm a licensed clinician. And so like seeing someone struggle with one or two things at a time, and yet having this really run the gamut of of dealing with mental health challenges
0: for yourself and your loved ones. Wow. Just wow. Kudos to you. Well, thank you. It's been a lot of really hard work and it's ongoing hard work and it will be hard work for the rest of my life. Yeah. I think that the way that you
2: share about it and- And the acceptance of that, of like, it's not like this is over and this is just ongoing stuff that we have to work on. It's not like you hit a spot where, all right, I'm healed from all my stuff now and I can just move along with my life. Like, it is really ongoing work. And I've always loved how you share about that, how, you know, you'll have periods of time where everything's going great and then like suddenly I'm not feeling so great and this is how I'm taking care of myself. So I've always been inspired by that. Can you share a bit about your journey as an entrepreneur and how you got started in your industry?
0: Yeah. So I'm a wedding and event planner, and a lot of it just started because I could do it around my kids' schedule when they were young. And it started off really small, a couple things here and there, family and friends. And then soon, family and friends were telling other people. And then they were telling other people, and they were telling other people. And 11 years later, I have this incredibly successful wedding and event planning business, what is so great about it is that, well, the good and the bad, right? I'm virtually unemployable. I cannot handle having a job. You do not put me in a box from eight to five. It does not happen. You do not give me the same thing to do every day. That's part of the ADHD and my creative spirit. And I've learned, I I had one of those jobs for a few years, I've learned that the way my ADHD works is when I can do different things every day is when I'm most productive. Now, there's also things like with my bipolar disorder and my anxiety is some days, just like any other job, I feel like I just really don't want to do it, but there's no time clock, there's no boss, there's no, you know, nobody looking over my shoulder saying did you get your work done today. So, with my mental illness, it's been my mental health. I really would rather say mental health. My mental health, there's pros and cons to being a business owner, right? Because I mean, it's just just like with having a normal job, it's it's a struggle every day. And when you don't have when you don't have the same parameters that somebody with a job has, you have to set those parameters for yourself. And then you have to stick to them or your world will fall apart. <laughs> couple years ago I shared Alexis I think you saw this on Facebook because I'm really open I want other people to know that they're not alone that I was in I was in a major depression I didn't recognize my mania and then I was in a massive depression it was terrible and uh, I had a big wedding coming up my first wedding of the season and I just I couldn't get out of bed I was crying I was incapable of movement I couldn't eat. My husband did such a good job taking care of me, my sister, my, my mom, everybody understood. But I had this wedding coming up and like, it got closer and closer and closer and closer. And I am so down. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it. And, uh, I think the stars, that about four days before this wedding, the fog started to lift cuz in when you have a business you it's you can't really take sick days for wedding planning like there's a wedding on Saturday you got to be
1: there. Carrie, I was going to ask a question. As a business owner, you, quote unquote, you can't take days sick days especially when you have an event, but it also sounds like those tools to, in order to help you manage your mental health are often completely inaccessible at that point as well when you're trying to Pull yourself together to be able to run this business. So, how do you think you have built and rebuilt that toolbox to be able to run your business when you're in a difficult time with your mental health?
0: Yeah. So the the biggest thing is leaning on your support system. Um, you know, I I have I'm lucky enough to have an incredible support system. I have a, an associate, an assistant that that works with me. Um, I have my husband and I have a crew that comes along. So when I know that I'm having mental health struggles, like I'm having a depressive episode and I have a wedding coming up, it's the communication. Like I am gonna need massive backup right now. Like I can't even. And when there's the opposite, like I'm so manic, I'm so manic that it, I, it's, I can't I can't slow down. I can't get my thoughts in order. It's again, it's leaning on those people. I hired my assistant. The the biggest reason I told her is like, your job is to babysit me. You can do all the things, but I really want you to make sure I'm okay. And so she watches me and sees when when I need help, when I'm struggling, she will rein me in. She'll go to appointments with me and help make sure that the details are getting done because I'm not very detail-oriented sometimes when I'm manic. So the toolboxes, um, the tools in the toolbox has been... I mean, it's been 20 years of cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, talk therapy, group therapy, even couples coaching, right? Because if you, you know, you got to be good with your spouse too, especially when you have a mental illness. So these, these tools are, I see my ADHD in some ways as a superpower. I recognize that in some ways it's not. But I use, I've learned to use the good parts of my ADHD to succeed, and I've learned to lean on others and give myself grace for the parts that are not productive. With my mania, I harness the hyper-productivity, and during the depression, I give myself grace and ask for help.
1: So you've been able to navigate the highs and ho- highs of the highs and the lows of the lows.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've been on I've been on really good medication that it took years to find the right bit, but the medication got me stable enough to start working on myself in a real true way and really honor myself and learn about my mental illness. I don't think that medication is a magic bullet. You don't just take these pills and Duh, you're all better. But it did finally get me to a stabilized place where I did this work for myself. And I've been on this medication for so long now that I just, I'm in a really good place. I consider my medication as part of my toolbox, Mm -hmm. but it's not the only tool in there.
1: I wish more people thought of it that way. Alexis and I just had another episode where I spoke about medication giving you the space to be able to then um, access the toolbox. And what I also, Alexis began the conversation and her and I are at a point now where we're like, take words out of each other's mouths, where she said the acceptance was so strong, but it really had to have been in order for you to be so open with your assistant about what you wanted them to be on the lookout for, and not just from a managing the business perspective, but more so, this is who I am, these are what my needs are, and I need you to help me be my best self in in running that business. What was that relationship like early on? Did it start off with your assistant? like? You were hand in hand or was it a little bit of a balancing act, a juggle?
0: It was at first. So I I interviewed quite a few people. And when I finally interviewed her, I was like, I am 100 percent in love with this human being. She was already intuitive. You could feel it coming off of her. She was intuitive. She was asking questions. But the first the first little bit, it is a it is a learning process because, you know, I I am big. I am often. I guess people feel like I'm overwhelming. I'm um, intimidating. I just with my big personality, right? I'm just big. And uh, she just really had to find the voice and know that it was okay. And when you are asking somebody, when you are saying, hey, help me with this, you have to be 100% willing to hear it when they say it. And there was a little bit of timidness there in the beginning, like, what if I like point out that they didn't, like, she didn't do this part. And when she started getting confident in that, it's like, thank you, like, just thank you. Like, I totally missed that. Thank you very much. You did that so much better. But if you're going to ask for the help, you really have to be willing to listen. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Also, if, you know, we often tell
1: people, "Let us know when we've made a mistake." We want your feedback, right? We want all of those things, but sometimes it can be really hard to hear when we're in that state of uh, wanting things to be a certain way or not recognizing where we're we're coming up short. Were you receptive when she was sharing her concerns or questions? I am
0: very receptive. I didn't used to be, and that's the thing is, it's part of my learning experience and learning about myself. I've had to be receptive asking my family, you know, and my husband and my sister come to me and they both say you're you kind of seem a little manic, honey. Like, oh, okay, and I need to assess. So, it took years for me to be able to hear those things about me, but it's part of the growth process and you know, I I run this business and I I knew that if I wanted it to be successful, more successful than it already was, I needed that additional help. I needed somebody to help hold me accountable, not just move tables and chairs and put the decorations on the tables at a wedding, but mm-hmm. truly be an accountability partner for me. Like, hey, Carrie, you missed that. Holy crap, you just saved the day. Thank you. You know, and it's oftentimes because I have ADHD and I've simply skipped over a step. So it's it's been incredible having her work with me.
2: I think that that speaks so much to the amount of work that you have put in on your mental health, because I know that for people with ADHD, you're really sensitive to criticism a lot of the time. And so having to put yourself out there of like, here I am open to people saying like, hey, you might have missed something there can be like that can feel really painful for for anybody. And then if you're a little bit more sensitive to it also, like that can be difficult. And then also you're advocating for yourself too. You're taking stock of what are the things that are actually going to make me successful and having this person here to be like this second set of eyes, this extra like brain, this person who can share this role with me and we can work together. Like it just I just see it as like such a such an opportunity for growth that you took there of like I really want to be successful. And this is really the only way that I can do it.
0: Yeah. When it's so that's that's the thing is, you know, where I'm I'm 40 and I'm the healthiest I've ever been mentally. You know, maybe I was great when I was four. I don't remember. But <laughs> at 40, I'm the healthiest I've ever been. And I still have a hard time with criticism. Like from my husband, I want to punch him in his nose sometimes because he's trying to help and I don't want it. But it's part of being self-aware. It's part of learning about your mental illness. I'm I'm a huge, huge advocate for study your mental illness. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have ADHD. I know the way mine works. And so when I realized that these little mistakes I was making, like, I couldn't just fix them, but I can be aware that they're there and find somebody to help me fill those holes. And now I'm I'm actually making those mistakes less often because I've become so aware of them without being overcritical of myself. And grace, oh my gosh, you have to offer yourself grace. You you got to you know we make mistakes, and you got to just be okay.
2: Yeah. You just have to be okay with making mistakes. I think it's just the best line ever.
0: Well, I think
1: you do an amazing job of owning who you are. And I love that you talk about ADHD and how it impacts you because ADHD and other mental disorders impact everybody differently. For example, uh, those who are typically diagnosed with bipolar disorder, Staying on medication is a major struggle for many because they do a lot of their best work and creativity when they're in a manic state and they don't want to have to to dim that light, but they also aren't able to function in other capacities without that medication. So the fact that you own the medication being part of your toolbox, these are the ways that I struggle and I'm leaning on people who I want to hold me accountable I mean, that screams success and opportunity for success from the mountaintops Mm -hmm. for me. But that Mm -hmm. takes a long time to get to. I would very much agree with you, our mental health advocate, because you're really owning what it means to be an individual. And we all struggle with some level of mental illness.
0: Yeah, I got to point out what you said there was um, a lot of people with bipolar disorder don't stay on their meds because they are happiest with their creativity and productivity when they're manic. That's how I used to be. Um, I was an artist. I could draw. I could sketch. I could create. I could, I had an eye for beauty. And in the last seven to 10 years, I've lost that. Like you should see my little sketches to show people the way I'm going to set up the tables and chairs. It's a mess. But when I think about how I loved that part of me, I love being alive a lot more. Mm-hmm. So if I can't draw a horse, I'm going to kiss my grandson in six months. And that's so much cooler than drawing a horse, you know, with the, with the wedding industry, you have to have a lot of creativity. And that's another thing with my assistant. That was one of the things I picked was she has that eye. Cause I, I can make it look really pretty, but she can come along and make one little tweak. And I'm like, how on earth did you make that 10 times more beautiful and again, I can't I I can't feel bad because she made something I did prettier. It's like, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for doing that. You just improved this couple's wedding. But it all goes back to being self-aware, giving yourself grace and accepting the help that you're asking for.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of us in so many aspects, not just entrepreneurship, but in just in life in general. We think that we want help and then when it comes we or when it is offered we then are not taking it and so yeah you really have to be able to accept the help that is being offered to you and and truly own what that's going to end up meaning.
1: I did have a question about the industry in which you work in terms of mental health challenges because I I would assume just based on some of my experience, that there's some more acceptance in the creative space for dealing with mental health challenges than you would in a typical nine to five type of corporate America industry. How were your experiences different in the creative space versus when you did have a nine to five for a period of time in terms of your work and your ability to function to the best of your ability with mental health?
0: Yeah, that that's a big one. So I was an event coordinator at our uh, college, and by event coordinator, what they really meant was just an event scheduler, and I pulled the screen down and put it back up at the end of the day. So I wasn't he was using my creative side at all. I was literally sitting at my desk and I was scheduling, collecting payments, turning off and on the lights, and I would sit there the rest of the time and one of the superpowers of adhd is the hyper productivity and the hyper focus and i would go in at 757 and i would have all of my tasks done by 10 10:30 in the morning and then i would sit there and i'd have to wait to respond to more emails i'd have to wait for somebody else to give me something that i could go do next and it was it was really boring Oh gosh, I was so bored. And in corporate jobs like that, you know, there was there was a mess underneath the sandbox for the kids and I went to vacuum and I was literally told, "Don't do that. We have janitor for that." And I said, "The janitor doesn't come in until 7 and there's a mess now. It's noon. You need to stay in your lane." Oh. I need to stay in my lane. In my business doing events, there's no lane. It's Mm -hmm. you do what needs to be done. That hyper productivity and that hyper focus, everything moves so fast on event day, whether it's a wedding or um, a corporate event or a virtual event, things are running so fast that you just adjust and move and you do all the things and everybody steps in and does all the things that need to be done. And we work as a team. And in the corporate world, I found that it was very, very much you do your job and only your job. And it doesn't matter if you're done for the day, you've got six more hours to stare at the clock. How did that impact your mental health? I absolutely was depressed. I cried a lot. I I was very anxious. I took more anti-anxiety medication while I was at that job for three years than I think I have since my kids were little. I I mean I I take an anti-anxiety pill two or three times a month maybe but during that corporate job it was like once or twice a day because the boredom creates anxiety. When I'm active and busy and I'm functioning and I'm doing things that need to be done and I'm productive, I don't get that anxiousness. But when you're sitting and doing nothing all day long, it all that comes into you and you just you It just has a place to be. And it's really hard to let it be at work. Were you able to advocate for yourself the
1: same way when you were in that job?
0: No, absolutely not. So I know that you know there are there are disabilities that are protected and mental health is one of them, but I was actually very open and honest. (laughs) Quite frankly, you know, they couldn't fire me because I said I had bipolar disorder. So when I was having a particularly bad day, I called in uh, I called in, and I was asked why. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter why. Um, but I did say, I'm like, well, it just so happens that I have hit a depressive wall. And I don't think I can come in and function today because I might do something harmful to myself, right? Like... I literally have had to express to people like, that is not safe for me. I'm not safe today. And when you have a corporate job, they want they want a doctor's note. I'm not going to urgent care to tell them I'm having suicidal ideations and to write me a note for work.
1: Yeah, they don't understand it, the same capacity. I teach mental health first aid. In mental health first aid, we talk about how people are not always receptive to someone saying that they have mental health challenges because they're fearful of it. They're afraid of what that may mean. So if someone's having a depressive episode, the organization sometimes feels some sense of liability rather than being able to come from a place of understanding and how can we support you? Because there's fear around it instead.
0: Yeah. The the fear's there. In the corporate world, that's it was, it was absolutely. I mean, I I hurt my back and couldn't go to work for a few days. And there was no question. But when it was my mental health, there was a lot of, I don't want to say it, it was concerned, but not the right kind of concern, right? They weren't worried about me. They were worried about them. Yep. Now in my own business, I can have those days. I did it recently with a bride who I was supposed to meet. And I just, I mean, I just told her, I said, I just can't today. Would you be willing to meet me next Tuesday? Like, I just, I'm just. Having a day, and I just can't. And she was absolutely sweet as can be. I mean, I I knew this this girl, I knew this woman, so I knew that it was it was very okay to approach her with this. Other clients, you have to be a little bit more professional and and can't really you know express yourself the same way. But it w- I was lucky enough to have this particular bride. I was just one hundred percent honest with. I ca- I cannot today. I cannot people. I cannot take care of you. You're not going to get the best of me. Can we meet next Tuesday? And she said, absolutely. Thank you for letting me know. And it's it's nice that I have more of that freedom now. Again, not always, right? On wedding days, you have to be on. During corporate events, things have to get done. But when you have a team around you that can look and go, uh, Carrie's got too much anxiety. She needs to take a break. I'm going to step in. Because we know each other, it's so much nicer it's so much nicer and just being able to communicate. I don't feel ashamed when I tell people that I have bipolar disorder and I tell my couples, you know, we we get to talking. We know each other. I work with them for a year or more and we get to know each other and they know that I have bipolar disorder, but it's no different than you know, I have a bad back too. Either one of those could go out the week before the wedding, but I have backups, so don't worry about it.
2: Yeah, that is amazing. I want to hear what advice you would give to people who who are struggling because I I feel like there are so many people in this space of, I know that these traditional nine to five jobs do not work for me. And also, I don't know how I can enter the entrepreneurial space for all the reasons that you mentioned that, you know, things can be challenging sometimes if you don't have accountability, I suppose, except to yourself. So you have to be really on top of that accountability to yourself. But what would you give, what advice would you give to those people who are dealing with mental health challenges and hesitant to pursue their dreams, but they really, really want to?
0: Yeah, so don't do it when you're manic because it's grandiose. And in two weeks, you might realize that you made a giant mistake. Um, there's nothing wrong with planning and dreaming when you're manic. Put 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 together a business plan talk to people around you, see if it's really a good idea and, uh, you know, maybe get the ball rolling. But when you're manic, don't, don't quit your job and go buy a store. Don't do that. But a lot of it, again, I'm going to go back to study your mental health, study your mental illness, because you can be a successful business owner. You 100% can be. I do not like people saying I can't because I have this, I have that, I have this. Find something that works within your schedule. Find something that fits your personality. Find something, maybe you start off as a part-time gig and see if you really like it and see if it's something you can make money at before you jump into it. But don't do it when you're manic. That Have I said that yet? Don't do it when you're manic? <laughs>
1: how did you get to know yourself and your, men- your specific mental health challenges and how you work? How did you do that? Because there is such a beauty. And when you speak, of understanding how to lean into the mental health struggle piece, but also the rationalizing to keep yourself grounded. How did you marry the two?
0: Yeah, so I was a hot mess in my teens and 20s. And in my 20s, I was literally in survival mode. I was raising children that, I mean, wonderful children, but there were five of them and I was mentally ill and I was on the wrong medication. And I was literally surviving, barely. And when I mean surviving, I mean, I don't, sometimes I don't know how I'm alive today. I barely survived my twenties trying to raise those littles. But after my father died, um, I did have a break and I was, uh, I was asked by my family to go to the Amen Clinic and that's with Dr. Daniel Amon. He's got um, clinics throughout the entire Uh, Country, and I recommend his reading materials to everybody with a mental illness. And they do an actual scan of your brain and they look at the parts that are lit up, looks at the parts that aren't working well. You talk with a psychiatrist, you do a medication and holistic regimen. But what it did for me was it was no longer my emotions, it was the organ. Your organ is broken. When you have a broken arm, it's like, oh, well, just kiss it better. It was the organ. It was the actual thing that was misfiring, that had disorder. And when we, when they explained it to me scientifically instead of emotionally, I was able to then have something to go study. My basal ganglia, what does it do? And why with my bipolar disorder is it so important? Why does this medication help with the basal ganglia? Why should I be taking D3 for my basal ganglia? You know, why does my amygdala light up on fire when I'm manic? And what can I do for that? So it was learning the parts of my brain. It was learning about the mental disorders. Actually having like Google, Google these things. And everybody's mental illness is different. Everybody's bipolar is different. But when you start to study, when you know what to go look for, You learn, okay, this is me. I have those tendencies. That doesn't apply to me, but that doesn't mean I don't have bipolar disorder because I only have five of the seven boxes. But I also have this and what does it look like? And then when you put them all together, ADHD, anxiety, bipolar disorder, trichotillomania, I pull out my hair like crazy when I'm anxious. So how do I reduce my anxiety to reduce my trichotillomania? How do I manage my bipolar mania? I just had a mania. And I had to ask my husband, am I manic? And he said, I think you might be. And so I did rein everything in. And I meditated and I didn't do the big things I was doing. I didn't do as many podcast recordings. I literally shut things down. Because when you're in mania, you cause more mania. And so I knew, I knew I'm like, I have to halt this in its tracks. So then when I came down, it was just a little dip. It was just a, a tiny little dip. I just kind of felt lethargic and not real great. But it's that it's that learning about your own mental illness. And gosh, we have every answer in our pocket. We don't go to the bathroom without our phones. You can learn anything. So learn about your mental illness.
1: One last thing, because I, I know we have another question we want to touch on, but Just important for our listeners, because we talk about this in Mental Health First Aid as well, because mental health can feel so abstract, it feels so gray. We don't necessarily, I mentioned this before, we don't necessarily feel like we have concrete answers. It it feels more fearful to us. But when you compare it to a physical ailment, I often, when I teach the class, and it's very surface level, but I talk about a broken arm, right? We know when someone breaks their arm, you mentioned it before, we go to the doctor, we get a cast, or we may have surgery, get a cast. And then we know that after PT, it will start to heal. We don't know what that recovery is going to look like for someone in mental health. What we do know is that recovery is possible. And what we do know is that there are methods and approaches that are specific to different mental health challenges. It's a matter of knowing which one. And like you said, just because you don't fit all seven boxes doesn't mean that the ones that you do fit are insignificant. And I love that you can keep drawing that comparison to physical health because if more people looked at it that way, it would feel more approachable, even for ourselves on how to tackle it and how to and how to feel like we can reign in control of ourselves. So kudos to you. I've been impressed since we started this conversation. <laughs> like that takes amazing amount of work and skill.
0: It is really fun when someone asks why you're leaving the party early and you're like, "My frontal lobe is overstimulated." that's gonna be my new excuse (laughs) what my frontal lobe is is lit up I need to go home and be alone because when you put like what you said when you put physicalness to it people are like oh okay
2: and feelings because like you said the experience of going to that clinic and having it explained to you in an organ versus feelings Feelings in and of themselves are just chemical reactions happening within your body. And so even that in and of itself is so much more concrete to think about it that way versus just, you know, I don't know. We have a weird uh, relationship with feelings in this society, I feel like. So, um I'm curious because we've talked a lot about your personal experience with an entrepreneurship with your business and how you have built the support within your business to do your job. And I'm really curious have you found or built a supportive community of other entrepreneurs who you can, who understand and discuss mental health openly? Or is that something that is lacking in the entrepreneurial
0: space? So I don't think it's a community. I I don't think there's a community of us entrepreneurs with mental illness that talk, right? I think that I talk about it so boldly that other people feel like they're in a safe space to be able to talk about their own experience. And that's my whole mission is like you said, with my podcast, we talk about the dirty stuff. So it's just stuff. And so when I'm talking with other, say wedding wedding industry people, I was just talking to a DJ And they were struggling pretty bad with a bunch of stuff, but they wouldn't have talked about it if I hadn't talked about it. So it's not really a community of entrepreneurs. It's just somebody is bold enough to say, I'm tired in a way that a nap can't fix. Mm -hmm. And then other people then can follow on and be like, you know, I get that and I... I've got so much work going on and my anxiety is so high that I just sit down in the shower and cry. Yeah, buddy, I've been there. Mm -hmm. So um, we do lean on each other in a way that because because I make it a comfortable conversation, we can lean on each other. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel like that has impacted your journey personally and as an entrepreneur?
0: Oh gosh, my therapist says I'm charming. And I think that really it's just that I'm I'm willing and people are attracted to my I'm I'm a safe, comfortable, comfortable place, both in my business and uh in my personal life. I just I'm a safe space because I knock down those walls. The, the we can't talk about this wall.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's crap. We we can talk about it. We should talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's helped me so much just build connections with people in really deep ways. People I don't know very well socially, I know very well. I know their mental health very well because they're willing to talk to me about it. Having the ability to talk to people about mental illness has saved my life. It saved my life. If I couldn't talk about it, if I couldn't express myself, if I couldn't tell people what I was feeling... I would not be here today. And I know that uh, unfortunately a lot of people have not had that safe space and they're not here today. Mm
1: -hmm. I think that you are absolutely charming. And I do think that there's a willingness, but I think that the willingness comes from such an ownership and an acceptance and a comfort with who you are and how you navigate yourself. And I think because you are so secure in your toolbox and your support system and in your self-awareness, you allow other people to feel that safety to come to you. And I would and on the entrepreneurial um comment before, I almost wonder because it's, and I'm thinking of event planning specifically, you're always on I mean, I remember when I was planning my wedding, there was no (laughs) stop. There was no, I'm not taking this weekend. We book every single weekend. We can't say no. We need the business. Almost like we can't take a vacation. And I wonder if that adds to really the stigma in the entrepreneurial space of being able to say, I can't. Because we're afraid for our business, but not
0: afraid enough for our Mm -hmm. own mental health Mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the hustle mentality absolutely tears people apart. And I think entrepreneurs wrap up their identity with their productivity, and that's not the case. You have Mm -hmm. to take time for yourself. I don't do very much on Mondays. I call my I call it the wedding hangover. After I do a big event, I'm I'm like hungover Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. It it's crazy, and the hustle mentality in the entrepreneur world. It's absolutely it's not okay to to rest. It's not okay to breathe. That's not okay. I mean, taking a vacation would be great, but what about just taking a nap for forty five minutes? That's not okay. Oh, you took time to eat dinner. I was in the office. I was out pounding the streets. You had coffee this morning. Oh my god, it's terrible. And it's not it's not healthy for people, especially entrepreneurs, to be in the hustle mentality. Set up your business to be able to take breaks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Your business is not going to fall apart because you've taken a break. Your business is going to fall apart if you fall apart.
1: I think that is a perfect segue into the next question. <laughs> Alexis, do you want to take yeah. that one?
2: So what are your hopes? And dreams for the future in terms of how mental health is addressed within the
0: entrepreneurial space? You know, that hustle mentality is what just got me. Um, I truly think that in the entrepreneurial space, we need to, again, go back to giving ourselves grace, accepting criticism when we ask for it. And when you have a mental illness, whether you are an entrepreneur or work for someone else, but especially as an entrepreneur, We just need to get rid of the shame of it, right? We talk about it. Today, I'm feeling particularly overwhelmed. So tomorrow, I'm going to make these three calls that I'm supposed to do today and give yourself grace. But that hustle mentality is dangerous. And my hope and dream is that people in the entrepreneurial space can realize that they're worthy as humans and not worthy by what they do.
1: Mm, yeah. I think this was my favorite conversation so far. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was so good. So good. And I feel like it has touched on so many things that we value so much, which is self-advocacy and mental wellness and- Having hard conversations. having hard conversations, talking about all the things so that they're not so- stigmatized and not hustling your life away. Like we don't want people to feel like they have to burn out in order to reach your goals and dreams. And you have really showed us that you can do all of those things.
1: And you can actually be even more successful when you give yourself grace and space. 100% grace and space. Mm. Oh, this was... So enjoyable. What a pleasure. What a (laughs) wonderful conversation. Thank you very much for
0: giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for coming on. Um, We'd love to have people be able to come and find you in all the spaces that you are online. So would you mind sharing where our listeners can find you?
0: Yeah, so just my name, Carrie Eskridge. I am on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Um, However, I do have my podcast called Sick Moms where I do talk to mothers about mental health struggles and I'm talking every single thing you could think of. I've talked to a military mom. I've talked to a postpartum doula. I've talked to um, a mental health provider and I've talked even to a woman who recently tried to commit suicide. You know, we talk about any kind of struggle any mom could be facing because we want other people to know they're not alone, and we want to destigmatize it, and we want the dirty stuff to just be stuff. So that's Sick Mom's podcast.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was on that. <laughs> I the most yes. doula, but <laughs> yeah, I really I love what you're doing because in my work, in postpartum doula work, I mean the we talked about it. The rates of postpartum depression and anxiety are really high, and when we can talk about it more often, then people feel so much less like they're alone and like, it's just them and they're the only ones struggling and they're just a failure, which like you said, it leads to lost lives. And so when we can talk about this more, it helps people to feel just so much less alone, so much more normal. And like, this is not just a you problem. This This is a big issue. So I love everything you're doing.
1: One last thought on that too as I was thinking cuz I'm obviously more more recent postpartum uh eight, almost 9 months now and being in the mental health world my push is always to be able to lay it all out on the table. I don't believe anything is taboo because the more we talk about it the more we normalize it and that's a non-negotiable for me. 100%. But what I'm thinking about in the postpartum space and I know we could we could keep going. I think I say that on every episode, but I think about when they do your postpartum depression screening. And I had a caseworker and I had my therapist and then a caseworker from or someone from the hospital, someone from my OBGYN, and it's all well-intentioned, right? And they make you go through a screening before you leave. They call you, I think, up to a month or two afterwards. And I think that's all a great start. That's what I'll say. It's a great start because I think in those first few months postpartum, And we can do a whole episode on this. But those first few months postpartum, many people are surrounded by tons of support and help. And it's when that support and help starts to Mm -hmm. kind of wane and go back to normal lives. And then you have to figure out how to balance life all on your own with a baby. I think those postpartum depression screenings and check-ins should go on for a whole lot longer than the first two months. I think you should be going for at least the full year postpartum. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I mean, it goes... Postpartum depression can be classified postpartum depression up to a year postpartum. And like we talked about on Carrie's podcast, it is the leading cause of death in childbirth related deaths. So it's a, it's a huge issue. And so I just love everything that you do to bring mm-hmm. more and more awareness to these mental health issues for moms. Cause they're so big, they're so impactful and moms are really important
0: yeah, mental health issues are there for everyone. I talk to moms because it's my experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, We yeah, talk yeah. about men's mental health, children's mental health, everybody's mental health. Mm-hmm. I talk to moms because it's what I know.
2: Yeah, I love it. Oh, oh thank you so thank much you. for coming, Carrie. We loved this conversation so much. And I know that our listeners are going to love it, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you very much, you guys. All right. Have a good night.
1: Good night.
2: Thank you so much for joining us today. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not intended to replace professional medical advice or mental health services. If you are in a mental health crisis, please call the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988 or 911.
1: Did today's episode of Perspectively Yours hit the spot? It would mean the world to us if you'd show us some love with these three effortless ways to help your fave podcast thrive. First up, the most important, never miss an episode by following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Just head over to our show page, tap the plus sign and select follow. Next, leave us a shiny five-star rating and review on your podcast platform. Your feedback helps us make each episode better and better. Last but not least, share your favorite episode with a friend. The power of word of mouth is undeniable, and we would be over the moon if you spread the love about Perspectively Yours. Before we
2: let you go, here's a fun fact. We met through Beauty Counter, our favorite clean beauty brand, and are both brand advocates. If you've been looking for safer products that actually give you results, you can get 20% off your first purchase with the code CLEANFORALL20.
1: Don't forget to follow us each on Instagram at Ms underscore Samantha Kehoe and Alexis dot the nourished beginnings. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources we mentioned.
2: Thank you for being here. We are grateful for your support and love.